I'm thankful that he's here today. Amen. Amen. A few announcements. Amen. As the children are dismissed. Uh, this Saturday, we have a Vessel of Honors meeting at 1030 this, in the morning. Amen. If you can bring a dish, see Sister Bruce, let her know what you can do, how you can help. Amen. Excited for that July 25th. Um, also, um, this, uh, this Saturday is going to be a men's work day. Uh, and so, men, you come. There, we'll have a, a dish for ourselves. And maybe if there's leftovers for the ladies, maybe we'll help them out. But we got some things we need to do to clean up and uh, get things in order uh, for uh, the, the renovation that's happening. Amen. And so thank you for all your help, men, for coming this weekend. Amen. We need you. We need your help. We need your, your muscles. We need your back. Uh, we don't want to throw it out, but we need your help. Amen. And um, <clears throat> I'd like to let everyone know today that um, the Reverend Justin and Stephanie Rogers will uh, be leaving us here in a few weeks. They are, he is taking a position with the district, Florida district. He's going to be the administrator over all of the state of Florida. Uh, so we're excited for that. Amen. He's going to keep us, try to keep us in line. Amen. He's been here in, the, in our midst and now he knows uh, what we do. And so pray for me that I, when I have to talk with him in the district office that things go well. We love them, and we're going to miss them. Amen. And um, we, know that, uh, we know that he can't take Stephanie very far because her family's here. So we'll, this won't be, not be the last of them. We'll be seeing them, I'm sure. Amen. So we're excited for this new season in their life. And let's pray for God's hand to be upon them. Amen. Thank you for your continued giving. Uh, whether here in person or online, uh, supporting the church and the kingdom of God. Amen. As we're staying, we go the word of the Lord today. Joshua, the 20th chapter. Joshua 20. Start reading verse 1. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out you cities of refuge. Whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. Skipping down to verse 7. And they have appointed Kadesh and Galilee and Mount Nefalti and Shechem and Mount Ephraim and Kerjath Arba, which is Hebron, in the mount, mountain of Judah. So these are some of the cities that God declared to be a city of refuge in the promised land. And so I want to preach to you today from this title. Righteous retreat. Righteous retreat. Turn to a few people, wave at them, give them a high five, and you may be seated today. Amen. I, I know that I've already lost half of you with my title. Not that you're trying to figure out where I'm going today because you heard the word retreat and in your mind you've probably already checked out of here and checked into that resort wherever that might be. Resorts and retreats, 
are built and designed to be a place where you can unplug from this world and catch some Z's. How many are thankful for those times in your life? It's a place where you can forget about all the hell that's happening around you and get some rest for your soul. It becomes that refuge, a place where you feel safe in that time of need. It's like a ship that is sailing through the sea. And it gets caught up in a storm that comes out of nowhere and with the dark clouds rolling in and the wind and the rain unsettling the calm waters that was once there. What once was smooth sailing in the calm seas, now, now there's chaos and choppy seas where you are feeling like you are being thrown from one side to the other. You feel like you're not in control any longer, that the world is just blowing you all over the place. And when a ship finds itself in those tumultuous waters, the captain starts looking for a harbor. He starts looking for a place, reaching out for a refuge, a a hideaway where they can drop their anchor and shelter through this storm in their life and to get some rest and to recover uh, and get some strength back in their hearts. Without those places of refuge, many ships would not make it. The storm would overtake them and they would be lost at sea Uh, overtaken by the wind and the waves and the storm that rolled in. They need a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place where shallow waters can provide them some safety to anchor their ships in sea. Because without that anchor, without that place to go, you're at the mercy of the winds, at the mercy of the waves and the storm. It can blow you off off track and carry you to places that you never imagined going, but you need to find that place of refuge. Every ship desires a harbor or a place like that. And the picture is a place called the Dry Tortugas. It uh, is almost in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, and it's a very shallow place, obviously, if they can build a fort out there in the middle of the water. Um, It is a shallow place, but this was a strategic place that the United States built a massive military base out there, the largest brick base, I believe, that we've ever built, over 16 million bricks out there in the middle of the ocean, and it, from what I was told, it's not even finished yet, but they stopped building in like 1860, so I don't think they're going to continue building, but The reason why they decided to build the biggest fort ever in the middle of the ocean was because this was a passageway for all the ships traveling from wherever across the world to go into New Orleans or wherever wherever that was the major ports were in the Gulf of Mexico. And so they had to pass by this place. And since it was so shallow, whenever storms were coming and rolling in, the ships would try to get to this place. So that they can anchor into some calmer waters and uh, find a place of refuge there. And so the United States thought and they knew about this. And so if they built a massive fort out there, then they can control uh, the, the harbor and the ways 
uh, of the ships that are passing by because only the friendly ships would be able to seek refuge in such a place. But if a captain can find a retreat and a place of refuge, he knows that there he will be safe. He knows that no matter how bad the storm is, he will not go down. He will not be defeated because of that refuge. That refuge will give an anchor to his soul and he will sail again. The power and safety of a refuge. And he'll continue his course and he will finish his journey and arrive at the destination that he is sought after. And boy, do we ever need a refuge today, a righteous retreat where we can unplug from this world and find a place to anchor our soul to. Well, I've come to tell you today and remind us of such a place. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. God is our refuge. God is our place where we can go when weariness overtakes our soul. When the storms trouble the waters around us, we don't have to be tossed to and fro because there is a place that we can go. We can go to find rest for the weary. We can go to our God because He is our refuge. He is our strength and He is our very present help in the time of trouble. I don't know about you, but I need a place where I can anchor my soul in the calm waters and get refreshed even today. Isaiah 28 11 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Those stammering lips and those other tongues that you speak in, they are a sign. They are the beacon that leads you to that place in God that causes the weary to rest. The Holy Ghost, this is the refreshing for our souls. The flowing of living waters is where the comfort can be found. John 7, 38, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. And so when the living waters begin to flow out of you, that's from the spirit of almighty God. And you begin to speak in another tongues. That's the spirit God giving you the evidence that, hey, you found that place. You're finding, you're close to that place of refuge where you can go and hide and get rest for your weary soul. Don't let let the devil keep you away from church. Don't let the enemy of the world keep you from silencing your voice. We need the Spirit of God in our life. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. He will be that comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, because he is a very present help in times of trouble. That's why 
A born-again believer can say this in 2 Samuel, and he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. That's what a true believer knows and can call upon. God, He is our rock. He is our fortress. We can run to Him when we need Him and a place of refuge. There isn't anything or anywhere in this world that we can turn to to find rest. As a believer, there's no place. But we can go to Him and we can go to His Word and to find shelter for our soul and to find rest for the present trouble. It goes on to say, I will call on the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. When the waves of death come past me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid and the sorrows of hell come past me about, the snares of death prevented me. But in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God and And he did hear my voice out of his temple. And my cry did enter into his tears. You see, that's where we go to find safety. We call upon the name of the Lord. We turn to him and he will hear our cry. Because this storm is not going to sink me. I'm going to run to the Lord. I'm going to call upon his name and I can run to it. I can call on his name and I will be safe there. The devil thought he had me until I started running to the house of the Lord and I climbed into the strong tower of my God. He could not touch me there. There the spirit of fear could not get me. The spirit of oppression cannot go there where I go. The the spirit of iniquity cannot get there because I'm hiding in the place of God, a refuge for my soul. There is where we find rest, and there is where we are comforted. There is where we are safe. So we need to stop placing our hope and our trust in politicians and presidents and Congress to fix this world. They're not going to be able to fix this world because it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. There's sin in this world that needs to be repented of and forgiven of. They're not going to be able to do it. They're going to let us down. How many of them even know what the inside of a Bible looks like? Why should we look to them to fix our problems? government cannot provide a refuge. The CDC cannot provide a refuge from this storm. But you know who can? Jesus can. Jesus can give us the peace that passes all understanding. He can wrap his arms around our soul. Only Jesus can calm our stormy sea and give us a place of hope that we can anchor in. When the children of Israel conquered the promised land, God told Joshua to appoint six cities to be a place of refuge. And they would be officially known as a city of refuge. The purpose of these cities of refuge was 
to provide a place of safety for someone who was fleeing for their life because they accidentally killed somebody. It wasn't murder, not murder in the first degree, but an accident happened and somehow somebody died. But a family member was upset about that, as you can imagine. And they were looking for revenge, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And so if this person was able to make it, if they were able to run to that city of refuge, there the Lord declared that they would be safe. The, the relative could not go in there and hunt him down and revenge the death of the family member because then that person would be guilty of murder. But as long as this person stayed inside this city of refuge, he would be declared safe. And when the high priest of that time would pass, then he was able to go free from the city of refuge and go back to his life. And, uh, but this person inside this city of refuge, he got to start over. A new life inside a city of refuge. Delivered from his past. Free from the guilt and the shame of his mistakes. His past could not condemn him while he was there in the city of refuge. The adversary could not touch him because he was safe inside the walls of the city of refuge. Oh, how grateful a person must have been for a city of refuge to run to. A safe place where they could go when their past was hunting them down. They had always heard of such a place, but they never really went there until they became desperate. I have nowhere else to go. I, I got to go to that city of refuge that I've always heard about. It kind of describes our life, doesn't it? We're running all over this world trying to escape our past, trying to find a place of refuge to get some rest for our weary soul. But our past was haunting us, and the devil was hunting us, and we had no place to turn. There was no place that we can go until somebody told us about Jesus. And we had heard about him our lives, but we were never desperate enough to go and to seek him out and to find him. But then the day came when we could not take it any longer that we had to go. We had to go search him out. And we came to a Pentecostal church and the power and the presence of Jesus swept over us and, and we started sobbing and crying and pouring out all of our hurt and our pain and our tears. We repented of our sins and we were baptized in Jesus' name and we were filled with the Holy Ghost evidence and speaking in other tongues and we became a new person in Christ. We took refuge in the name of Jesus. Our sinful past could not go, get to us any longer because we called upon the name of our Lord in the waters of baptism where his sins washed us, uh, his, his blood washed away our sins. But the devil, he's still out there. And he's still out there hunting us down. He is described as the accuser 
of the brethren. And there is nothing that he can do because we are safely behind the walls of refuge. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus in your life that's covered a multitude of sins? There's nothing the devil can do against the blood of the lamb. He cannot get through it. He cannot pierce through it. His power doesn't pass through. No, he has no authority or no power in the blood of Jesus. The the people of God are safe behind the walls of refuge in the name of Jesus. Every time you're reminded of your past, you remind it of the blood of Jesus. Every time the devil shows up, uh, you just call upon the name of Jesus because that is our refuge. He is our fortress. The name that is above every name, that's what we call upon when we are in times of trouble. Proverbs 18 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of Jesus is that strong tower. We can run to it. We can call upon it, and we will be safe. And the only thing that the enemy can do is to bow to the name of Jesus because the word declares every knee is going to bow. Things in heaven, things on the earth, and things under the earth. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the only thing the devil can do to your tower is to bow to it. We have a place that we can go for refuge and safety. Safe from our past and, and from our enemy. It's, it's a place of hope. It's, a, it's an anchor for our soul and that is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge. Anybody fleeing for refuge here today? We have fled for refuge to lay a hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. The blood of Jesus provides a wall for us to go behind A place where the enemy cannot follow. A place where the spirit of fear cannot go. A place where they, the spirits of darkness, have no authority or dominion. That's behind the walls of the name of Jesus, behind the blood of the Lamb. And that's where we should be going for refuge. The place that they cannot follow us is when we enter into the veil. Get behind it, we have a righteous retreat for our soul. While going behind the veil was only done once a year in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, at the death of Christ, Scripture declares that the veil was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, signifying that access to the Holy of Holies was now open. Not just for one man, 
but for all who desire to enter into that place. All those that want to go behind the veil now will be provided access to get to the Spirit of God. And, and not just one day a year, but any time that we need to go, we can go behind the veil. We can go uh, before the Lord. Uh, the veil is open and it is waiting for you to enter in. The throne room is open for all those who need to run to him. Aren't you thankful that we can just go, go before the throne at a moment's notice? That we don't have to wait or punch a clock or, or wait for our number to be called. No, we are believers. We have been baptized in Jesus' name. We have been filled with his spirit. That gives us access to go into the fortress of God, into the throne room. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm thankful that not only can we just go before the throne, but that we can boldly come. We can run through that place because we are a child of God. He wants to hear our cry. He wants to hear our need, what's going on. And we can boldly come in there. We can kick down the doors and say, God, I need your help. I don't want it to be that the only time that I go behind the veil and enter into the throne room of God to be the only time that I'm desperate. Only when I need something do I show up. Only when my life is erect do I finally go behind the veil. No, if we are granted access at any time to the throne of God and to go behind the veil, I want to go there when the things are going good in my life. I want to go there all the time. I want an annual pass to the throne room of God and go as much as I want. When things are good, I'm going to go there to give him praise. I'm going to go there to lift up his name and bless him. And give him thanks. Because the more that we frequent going behind the veil, the more familiar we become of how to get there. If you only go there once or twice a year, you may, it may take you a while to get back there. Because it's been a while since you've been. But if you're going there every day, if you're frequenting that place every single day, you know exactly where to go and know how to get behind the veil and into the throne room of God. When Taylor and I had uh, season passes, annual passes to Disney World, uh, when we first started going, you had to go and you had to grab a map because you had to know where things were. But the more that we went, the more we did not need a map. We knew the places, we knew the roads, we knew where all the rides were. And that's how it is with the Spirit of God and His presence. The more you go, the easier it is to get there. The more you know, now you know where you need to go and what you need to do. And so we need to not just show up when things are going bad, but we need to be there every single day. That way, when things do turn for the worse, we know exactly where to go. We know exactly how to get there. We're not going to allow any distractions or things that hinder us to get there. We are are more familiar because we get there more often. When things close in around us, when the world turns against us, I can quickly 
go behind the veil. I know how to get there, and this time I'm going to be running. This time I'm going to come boldly before the throne because I may be overwhelmed, because the enemy is all around me, because my situation has turned, and I know where exactly I need to go. Psalm 61, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is greater to, than I. When we're overwhelmed with things of this world, that's where we need to be going, leading me to the rock. We don't need to be leading, going to the news or finding some, some uh, the news press, figuring out where we need to go. No, when things get rough in our life, lead me to the rock that is greater than I. Because we have a place that we can go. Lead me behind the veil. Lead me to the throne room of God so I can get some rest for my weary soul lead me to that rock that is greater than I one of the six cities of refuge was called Kerjath Arba or also known as Hebron this wasn't a normal city it was different than the rest of the cities that were declared cities of refuge because the inhabitants People that used to live in this city before Israel came were people known as the Anakims, the children of Anak, also known as giants. Joshua 14 and 12, now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. This is Caleb speaking. For thou heardest in the day how the Anakims were there. And that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then shall I be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. And so Caleb gets in there and they're starting to divide out the land. And Caleb says, give me this mountain right here. This is the place that I want to call home. This is the place where I want to go, and I don't think anybody else was brave enough to claim that place. Why? Because there were giants living there. The giants that kept the whole nation wandering in the wilderness. One man says, I'll take them if the Lord will be with me. I'll conquer that mountain if God will go with me. And so Caleb says, give me this place as an inheritance. And he knew that the giants were there waiting for them. He named them the Anakims. He knew who they were. He had to slay the giants before he could claim Hebron as his own. And what did Caleb say? He said, if the Lord will be with me, I will conquer it. That's all we need, folks, on our side is God. If God will be with us, who can stand against us? If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, no giant will be able to defeat me. That's the type of faith that we need to have. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what approaches us, if God is for us and if God is with us, I believe God will give us the victory over the battle. And with that kind of faith, Caleb conquered Hebron, and he took that city in the name of the Lord. A city that was once a stronghold of the enemy. But with the help of the Lord, it will become 
a city of refuge, a place of safety, the fortress that the enemy is in right now with the help of the Lord will become a retreat for the righteous to go into and to find safety for their soul. The place that you once feared and struggled with, I'm here to say with the help of the Lord, will become a place that you can anchor your soul. It will become a place that you will find peace with the help of the Lord because you will drive out the enemy. You will conquer that place and the fortress of the enemy will become a fortress of the almighty God where you can run into and you can find and seek refuge in that place. A place that you can run to for rest. The battle that you're fighting now, I believe, will soon become a place of refuge for you because God will help you to drive out the enemy that you're facing God doesn't want you to retreat and quit and give up. No, the battle that you're fighting, God will give you the victory if you let him help you. If you let him lead you, God will give you victory and tear down the strongholds in, their, in your life and, and bind the spirits that are attacking you. God can give you victory over that, but we got to turn to the Lord for help. The giant that's trying to intimidate you now, you will soon trample him under your feet. Don't let him get the best of you. We have God on our side. The Lord is for us. Who can be against us? We're going to tear down the giants, the strongholds, in the name of the Lord. And that place, that battleground will become a place of refuge. The strongholds you're battling now will soon become a place for safety. The people of God will not be on the run, no. We are to put the enemy to flight. We're to put the enemy on the run because we're going to take the ground that God has given to us. They're the ones that are going to lose the ground. It is the enemy that's going to lose. At least that's what the Bible says. And I'm just going to stick to that because I, don't, I can't trust anything out there. I'm just going to read, read the word of God because that tells me how the end's going to be. And it looks good for me. It looks good for the church. It looks good for you. As long as we stay in the word of God, as long as we adhere to the ark of God, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it. We don't need to let these giants try to intimidate us because the ground that they're holding, God wants to give you as a place of refuge. Every city of refuge was once occupied by the enemy. The promised land was occupied by all ungodly people. So any city that they had, other people were living there, and they had to defeat them and to kick them out and kill them in order to take the city. And so every single city of refuge, all six of them, were once occupied by the enemy. But the people of God says, God has given us this land. He's promised us, and so we're going to go forward in and, and, and victory and, and claim these lands, and so they did. And so therefore, because they were able to defeat the inhabitants, they were able to build city, cities of refuge, sanctuaries of safety 
that they can go to in time of need. But if you can't defeat your enemy, if you're not willing to go and fight against the enemy, you're not going to have many places that you can go because God is trying to give you that a new place, a new fort, a new place of refuge. But you have to be willing to step out in faith and say, God will give me that city if I go and fight with him. Musicians, if you would come. But Hebron was especially an important city. It was unlike every other city of refuge. Because there was great things that happened there in the past. Before Israel ever arrived there and conquered the land, things happened there in Hebron many, many years earlier, centuries earlier. Genesis 13 and 18, and Abram removed his tent, came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. What was waiting in Hebron for, the, for Caleb to come and conquer that city, what was waiting there was an altar of Abraham. Their forefather was there way before the Anakims were there. And Abram was there building an altar and worshiping the Lord. And, and, and Israel lost their way and they got kicked out. But now they are back. And their altar is still waiting for them to claim it. That place, the altar, was Abram built there. Hebron was a place of refuge because there was an access point to the throne of God. Because there was already an altar there. And Caleb knew this. That's why he said, give me Hebron. Give me this mountain. I know exactly what is there. I know the giants are there, but that's not what I'm after. They'll, they'll, the God will take them out, but I want to go and I want to see that altar that Abraham built. I want to go there. And so that altar will always be a place of refuge for your soul. When you are overwhelmed, you need to go back to that altar and find some rest for your soul. Go back to the place where you first called upon God, and there you will find rest and safety and a harbor for your soul. But many people avoid the altars, and therefore they never truly have any rest, do they? Because the altar of Abraham was waiting there in Hebron, but you got to conquer the place to get to it. But not only was Abram's altar there, but Genesis 23 and 2 tells us, and Sarah died in Kerjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abram came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. There he purchased a cave. And there Abraham buried Sarah. But since Sarah was buried there, when the time came, Abraham also was buried there. And because Abraham and Sarah was buried there, Isaac and Rebekah wanted to be buried there too. And because they were buried there, that's where Jacob buried Leah. And that's where Jacob or Israel was also buried. All of these things are waiting there in Hebron. But they were occupied by the Anakims. 
And Caleb knew all this stuff. That's where Abraham's grave is. That's where his altar is. And I'm not going to let some giant keep me from getting access to that. Hebron is more than just a city, but it comprises Israel's heritage and all of its history. The past promises of God are buried there. The stories how God provided for them are all buried there in Hebron. Uh, And the examples when God delivered them from their enemies, they're all buried there. But the enemy has a territory now. Are you just going to let the enemy keep it and you'll go move and find some other place? Or do you cherish your history? Do you cherish that altar of Abraham that, no, I'm going to fight. I'm with the help of the Lord. We'll take back Hebron, and that place will become a city of refuge. It's no wonder the giants were living there. Abraham's body was there. Abraham's grave was there. They're trying to keep Israel from their past. Imagine all the faith that is buried there. You wonder why giants were living in that place. To intimidate the the nation of Israel, and they did once, but they didn't intimidate Caleb. One man said, I'm going to go there because there's so much that God already done for us there. And so when, when, imagine all the faith that would arise when Caleb would be able to go and visit the grave of Abraham. Can you imagine that? What kind of peace would that provide? The rest for Caleb's soul. You can't even put a price on that type of peace. But the giants don't want you to get there. They'll try to overwhelm you and intimidate you and make you feel like a grasshopper because they know that if you ever get back to that place, if you ever go back and uncover all the things that are buried in your life that God has done for you, if you do that, you will find rest for your soul. You're Faith will be recharged. If God brought me out back then, he can do it for me today. If I remember what God delivered me back then, he can do it for me today. If he provided for Abraham back then, he can provide for us today. And if I revisit the time where God healed me in my past, I believe God will heal me today. Then the battle that I'm facing now, if you stand with me, the battle that I'm facing now, God will give me the victory too. It doesn't matter how tall the giant may be or how many of them. No, Abraham was there. Sarah's there. There's altars there that the people of God were already there before. And so we're coming back to take back what the enemy has stolen. We're coming back to to take claim of the land of God. And so if God has done anything for you in your past, he can do the same for you today. The righteous retreats that we have are not just in God, are not just in His name, but they are also found in the testimonies of our past. Those are testimonies, are places of refuge that we can go. When unbelief starts flooding your life and you're unsure and you're standing on uncertain waters and you don't know where to go, just remember for a moment, go back to the time where God brought you out of something. That's a place of refuge for your soul. That's where you can seek safety for your soul and find rest when God touched you, when God opened that door, when God provided you. All of those things are places of refuge that we can go to. 
go back to that altar and you will find rest there. You'll find the peace that passes all understanding. Go back to that time where God did a miracle for you and remind yourself, strengthen your faith because God doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did that for me last year. He'll do it today. He did that for me 10 years ago. He's still the same God today. We have to realize that we got to know where we got to go in these times. We go to a righteous retreat, a place of refuge. Lastly, Hebron, that place of refuge, is not all about your past victories. But it is also the place where God will prepare you for the next battle in your life. That new season in your life. You don't need to go through those doors alone. You need to go there with God. You need to find God. You need to find that place of refuge and get in touch with God. And there he will prepare you to keep on going. 2 Samuel 5 and 3. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron. And King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord. And there in Hebron, in a city of refuge... There they anointed David to be king over all of Israel. David's getting ready to assume the throne of the entire nation. And so they were in Hebron. They decided, let's anoint him here. This is a special place. This is a place of refuge. This is where the anointing of God will pour out to cover you so that you can go and claim new territory for the Lord. In that city of refuge. That place of your past, where those altars are, where those testimonies of God's greatness in your life, the place where your soul finds rest is anchored. That is where God will anoint you for your new battle. That is where God will provide you the anointing to face your tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but today in my place of refuge, behind the veil, before the throne of God, I feel the anointing of God coming down upon us, pouring over us, empowering us, restoring us, comforting us to go out and face our tomorrow, to face the giants that wait for us to defeat our enemies. Yeah, there will be times that we get weary. There will be times that we get overwhelmed. But I know where I need to go now. I know where I need to go. I have a place of refuge. I have a strong tower I can run to for safety and for rest. I don't know what's going on, what's going to happen in the world with all of this COVID stuff. But I'm not going to let it intimidate me. I'm not going to let it keep me from going to my refuge. I have a place that I can go and hide behind. I'm going to get behind the veil and say, devil, you can't touch me. You have no authority here, devil. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I've got an altar built that I can run to. I've got a place of refuge that we can go. Is there anybody that wants to go there with me? 
Come on, let's begin to cry out to him. Let's begin to shout with a voice of triumph. No, we're not going to be defeated. There we can go to trade our beauty for ashes, to give for the joy of mourning. There in the throne room of God, I'll receive a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on, if he's brought us through the storms in our past, he'll bring us through this storm again. Well, we've got the victory. Anybody believe that with me? We've got the victory. Well, let's worship him today. We gotta go to our place of refuge in times of need. Well, let's exalt the name of Jesus. Let's raise our swords, our sword of the spirit. Grab a hold of the shield of faith. Come on. Let's worship him. God is able to Let's tear down those strongholds. The giants that are trying to keep you. We rebuke them in the name of Jesus. You can't get to us. We're safe behind the walls of refuge. Don't give up on God. Cause he won't give up on
So I think it would be appropriate if we take this time while we're all in this place of refuge if we can bind together. If you want to bind together your families, that's fine. I know the whole sister did anything, but let's bind together as we close. And whatever is bothering you, whatever is coming against you, we're going to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We're going to bind it in the name of Jesus. Why? Because we are the people of God and we have been given power over all the enemy. And so why don't you do that right now? If you don't have anybody to pray with, that's fine. We're going to pray together right now and we're going to take a leap forward today in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke every unclean spirit that would come against the people of God. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind you by the word of, the, of God, the power that's in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the spirit of fear. We rebuke the spirit of, of depression. We rebuke the spirit of unbelief and doubt. You're not welcome here. We tear down the strongholds. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over every mind, every heart, every body, every home. You cannot prevail, devil. You're not welcome here, devil. We're going to walk out of here in victory. We're going to claim the territory that you've taken from us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare it. We're going forward. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Let's shout with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we are victorious. Hallelujah. It's okay to get weary when we're fighting devils. We're flesh and blood. It's okay to get beat up and feel beat up. But don't wait so long to go to your place of refuge. Because that's where you get refreshed. And to come back out a new day with a sharper sword and you're ready to take on the enemy. Because if God will be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go forth and be conquerors in the name of Jesus Christ.